It's me, Freaky Dinkfinger, that's the big guy with the hairy eyes. Former top-rated DJ at radio station WTFH in Mixon, Georgia, from way back in the sizzling 70s. It's been a minute since we visited. I sure hope everybody's enjoying their autumn, and as we start the holidays, what better time to once again open the box of wonder that holds the legend of the Dazzle Dudes. Well, thank y'all for coming back. We sure do appreciate you giving us some of your leisure time, and we mean to give you more entertainment for your entertainment dollars, which is, of course, superfluous given that this podcast is free and has no ads nor pleas for donations or nothing, but still, more entertainment for your lack of entertainment dollars or something, whatever. Hell, I'm not no economist. So let's get to rocking. If you just found us and you hadn't heard season one, well, by all means, please have a listen. But here's a few essentials to get you going. In season one, we met the Dazzle Dudes, four boys in their early 20s back in 1974 in Mixon, Georgia, a medium-sized town in the central part of the state, who decided they wanted to be a glam rock band. You had Jimmy, the drummer who lived with his mama, Connie, and whose basement they practiced in. Billy, the bass player who worked at the local John Deere outfit and went on ride-alongs with the police. Carl, a guitar player about whom little was known, is probably best to keep it like that. And Jesse, the singer, who, as I've said before, was like most rock singers, a bastard. Oh, and he was having an on-again, off-again relationship with Jimmy's mama, Connie. Gave Jimmy a lot of consternation. We also met Fletcher Lafayette, the recently hired station manager at WTFH, He originated from New Orleans and had a theater background, which inspired him to do all the voiceovers for WTFH's commercial spots, a number of which the Dazzle Dudes had written and recorded the music for, and which in an odd twist of fate had made them local favorites in the area. Upon entering the gates of Skeeter's Auto Salvage, one is confronted with a veritable panorama of the history of combustion-based wheeled conveyances, from the humble Model A to the old... Then there was Jeter Lewis, the son of Skeeter Lewis, who owned Skeeter's Auto Salvage, which was a popular junkyard and which had become even more successful through the Dazzle Dude's radio jingle for his business. 
Now, this inspired Skeeter to bankroll the band's recording sessions for their highly anticipated first album. And by doing this, he got his son Jeter, a dude superfan, in charge of the project to, you know, help him find some direction in life. Well, Jeter started Crush Records, the name being an homage to the car masher at his daddy's junkyard, and the dude's album was to be Crush's debut release. Now, there wasn't many recording studios in Mixon, Georgia in the early 1970s, and the most prominent one was Carnival Sounds, which was owned and operated by Bud Carney. Bud's granddaddy had invested in Coca-Cola back when it got started, so Bud was pretty wealthy, though you'd have never guessed it on his best day. His hobby was liquor, and despite the fact that he owned a palatial, though neglected home in a high-end part of Mixon, he lived in a back room at Carnival Sounds where he concentrated on his uh, liquid pursuits. He also recorded music sometimes there. Now, at the end of the summer of 1974, the dudes had competed in the annual Mix and Battle of the Bands, which was always sponsored by WTFH, and they won by a slim margin. The previous year's winners, Freakin' Booger, whose big gimmick was that their singer Ronnie had a parasitic twin that he called Donnie growing from his chest, he had a memorable mishap when a young, chemically impaired woman climbed up on stage during their set and ripped little Donnie right off Ronnie's chest. My name is Ronnie, and little Donnie. These are all the boys who call on a bunch of noise. All you ladies dancing, come give us some sugar. They will the fucking preacher they call Freakin' Burger, yeah! Now, everybody more or less figured all along that Donnie was a prop, just a doll strapped to Ronnie's chest, which he always dressed up to match whatever he was wearing, and which he would shake around and pretend it was singing parts of their songs. When this young woman, Cheyenne, pulled Donnie off Ronnie, there was a seriously gory result with what looked like blood or ketchup everywhere. Ronnie screamed as if in agony and fell to the stage, just a twitching and a squalling. Do I want the dog? What are you doing? No, don't. I want to hold the dog. Go away. He's the dog. I want the dog. He's the dog. I want to hold the dog. He's the dog. I want that dog. Honey, hold the dog. Give me the dog. I want the dog. Give me the dog. I want it. I want the dog. We figured that he had long anticipated this potential outcome and it always had a balloon full of ketchup attached behind the doll. At any rate, it was the most fun anyone ever had in the WGFH Battle of the Bands. Maybe the most fun anyone ever had in mixing Georgia, period. I don't know. So it was back to normal for the dudes. Fall of 1974, they were again hard at work at Carnival Sounds. At the controls was Jeter Lewis, who had shown a remarkable aptitude for primitive sound recording, and Bud Carney was floating around somewhere in his private womb of vodka. All right, dudes, you ready? We're rolling. Get the dudes! All right, one, two, three, and...
that what's that one called, Jesse? It's called Night's Talk. Night's Talk. You mean like if night's a round table where we're talking? Or like if it's nighttime and you're you're talking? I like that. That's like if you were in the bed with your girl and y'all was talking, you know, after you just finished getting No, no, it's not any of that. It's one word. N I G H T S T A L K. As in to stalk something at night, like if he was hunting at night or something? Yeah, yeah, more like that. It's like that TV show, Cold Chuck, The Night Stalker, where the guy investigates a bunch of ghost crimes and whatnot. Man, I like that show. It's spooky. Who gives a shit about the name? Carl named it. Hell, that's a good good name, Carl. Yeah, man, I like that. Good job, Carl. So, man, Ronnie from Freakin' Booger come into Daddy's liquor store the other night and I was working. He ain't looking too good. Tired and red-faced, looked like he'd been hitting the juice pretty regular. He barely even spoke to me, just bought him a fifth of Georgia Moon and ski-daddled. Yeah, I bet. Pretty righteous ass-whooping they took from us at the Battle of the Bands. Must have been hard for him to buy his liquor from one of the victors. The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Well, that's pretty good, Billy. Did you just come up with that? Jesse, that's what they say at the beginning of Wide World of Sports. Every week. Don't you ever watch any kind of sports at all? Well, just the indoor kind, you know, with two competitors. I like the kind of sports Connie likes. It's just not going to work anymore, Jesse. I'm over it. Yeah, Connie's always over it, too. You son of a bitch! Now, for those of you who haven't heard any of our previous episodes or who have just forgotten, Connie was Jimmy the drummer's mom and sometimes paramour of lead singer Jesse. Jimmy, vexed though he was, was trying earnestly to move on and let it go, but Jesse taunted him with it as often as possible. Like I say, rock singer equals bastard. Now, Marvin, the owner of Marvin's La Elite Club, which was a popular water and holding mixer, was an enthusiastic entrepreneur in town and had recently begun a new business venture. Last season, we learned that Marvin, through the urgent of his liquor supplier, Jimmy's dad, Eustace, had given the Davisel dudes their first few live gigs in his club. He insisted that they do things like bust tables between sets and even got him to dress up like leprechauns for St. Patrick's Day. That was immortalized back in Season 1, Episode 4, by the way. Marvin owned a big lot in town adjacent to his beer joint and had decided to develop a mobile home business there. Uh, There wasn't no shortage of trailer parks in Mixon, but Marvin had a different angle. He'd sell or lease brand new units on demand at various styles and price levels, but with a twist. If you bought or leased from Marvin, you immediately became a member of the new gold elite level at Marvin's club. This meant you could drink at a reduced rate, get in free at events that had a cover charge, but most importantly... You could get just as drunk as Cooter Brown and stagger one block to your own doorstep. No cabs or potential DUIs involved. It was truly inspired. So naturally, Marvin, wanting only the finest in radio marketing for his new endeavor, got him a Dazzle Dude's jingle with a Fletcher Lafayette voiceover. Marvin! 
Cadillac full of bunnies at any time. And don't forget, with every purchase or lease of a Marvin's Mobile Home, you get a gold membership to Marvin's La Elite Club. All beer and well drinks 20% off all the time, and no cover charge ever with your gold elite status. And if you've had a little too much fun at Marvin's La Elite, fear not. Your own home is just a one-minute walk right next door. Drop by the sales office today and start your new life right away at Marvin's Mobile Homes on State Road 21. See you there. Marvin's! 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 Now, Fletcher Lafayette had become such a popular figure around Nixon that we had created WTFH's very first daytime talk show, Fletcher's Folks, that year. It aired for a half hour once a week, every Monday morning at 10 a.m., and the dudes, out of their own gratitude and affection for Fletch, created the theme song for his show without him being asked. Welcome on, everybody, and gather Here comes the smoothest guy in town. Well, grab a cup of coffee and a cigarette. Here's your host, Fletcher Lafayette. each week, Fletch would interview local business owners, politicians, artists, and just downright interesting people. Fletcher's folks would become a big hit, a staple of Mixonian culture, and would expose the truly diverse and eccentric population of Mixon to the world. Well, I mean, it would expose them to, I guess, showcase them to to the rest of Mixon anyway. Come on back, you'll see. Oh! 
listening to season two, episode one of Dazzle Dudes, which was written, recorded, and produced by Murray Attaway, with additional material by Layla Attaway. All material is copyrighted 2019. You can find Dazzle Dudes on Apple Podcasts, Android, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, and at DazzleDudes.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you all for coming back. As you know, Dazzle Dudes is completely free, including no commercials, no requests for online donations, no nothing. Free. All we want is for you to keep listening and have fun and share it with folks. We thank everyone who has rated us very much and hope that more of you will go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever. Give us a good review because it really, really helps. Give us those five stars, won't you? And remember, if you want to do a good deed, helping an elderly person cross the street ain't bad and it's kind of classic and traditional and whatnot. But what they really want is for you to show them how to listen to podcasts. There's a whole giant world of stuff for people of all ages in the podcast verse, and it would be a nice gesture if you was just to show one senior how to listen to one podcast. They'll thank you, I guarantee it. For example, just point them to DazzleDews.com. That's a fine place to start. No politics, no arguing. You might warn them that there is some cussing, though. Already like you mean it.